we are not dealing with persons, places, things. We are dealing with consciousness. And because we are dealing with consciousness, we have to begin with ourselves. Because mortal mind is the basic error, we see clearly that divine mind is the basic truth. And being basic, we begin there. The Christian science treatment is and always must be the conscious operation of the divine mind on the part of the practitioner. He must understand himself to be the functioning of that mind which was also in Christ Jesus. Mind knowing its own idea is why we are conscious of our own existence. Mind knowing the perfection of its own ideas is a Christian science treatment and is why a Christian science treatment heals. In other words, mind conscious of its own perfect self is a Christian science treatment. The treatment or demonstration takes place in the consciousness of the practitioner, and this is as it should be. Remember the old saying, Charity begins at home. In Revelation, where John describes the city four square, he says, There shall be no night there, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. What is this there, where there shall be no night? Is it a locality here or distant? We have been told in Christian science that the place where there shall be no night is in individual consciousness through understanding the oneness of God and man. Here in that individual consciousness there is no evil, war or darkness, none in God nor in the idea which expresses him. We cannot wait, hope, and pray for it to take place anywhere else, just here where we are thinking. In every deed we are the temple of the living God, for temple is where we dwell, and we know consciousness is our dwelling place. This is equivalent to saying, our consciousness is the living God. Then, in order for God to be made manifest, this is the way, the place where it is to occur. Here, in this God consciousness, there shall be no night, no belief in evil, sin, sickness, death, sorrow, poverty, dissension, hatred, jealousy, war, or the etceteras of mortal belief. The gates of this city, divine consciousness, are never shut, and nothing enters it which defileth or maketh a lie, and nations of them that are saved 
shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. You, what appears as each one of you, are this city, and this is our work. Then shall come to pass, as stated in the book of Revelation, the end of all error. There was found on the back of an ancient measuring instrument this inscription, Jesus saith, Let not him who seeks cease until he find, and when he finds he shall be astonished. Astonished he shall reach the kingdom, he shall find rest. Logic from Osirinkus. The kingdom of heaven is within you, and whosoever shall know himself shall find it. Strive, therefore, to know yourself, and ye shall know that ye are the sons of the Father, and that ye are in the city of God, and ye are the city. Treatment, as we have unfolded it, has brought out the operation of divine mind constitutes the Christian science treatment. That which is revealed by the divine mind constitutes the divine man. All is infinite mind and its infinite manifestation is a statement of divine mind and body. That which is revealed by the divine mind constitutes the divine body. The first chapter of Genesis is the unfoldment of divine body because it reveals the universe and man as the expression of God. We, as man, know the divine mind and divine body constitute individual being. What appears as each one of us is mind and body. We know that this is true first because God manifests himself. In the study of our textbook and Mrs. Eddy's other writings, we find that body, consciousness, man, universe are all synonymous terms. In developing and demonstrating the idea body, this is necessary to know, for it makes clear that body is the idea of God and is one with him. For consciousness, man, universe, are one with God, his idea, the expression of himself. It seems in demonstrating divine body, of which Mrs. Eddy speaks in the chapter on the Apocalypse, as follows, When you approach nearer and nearer to this divine principle, when you eat the divine body of this principle, thus 
partaking of the nature or primal elements of truth and love, do not be surprised nor discontented because you must share the hemlock cup and eat the bitter herbs. For the Israelites of old at the Paschal meal thus prefigured this perilous passage out of bondage into the El Dorado of faith and hope. Science and Health 559 the student often goes from one extreme to the other. First, he may believe he has a material body which he must deny and yet at the same time accept the fact of divine body as something invisible, spiritual, abstract. When these two extremes fail to accomplish the demonstration of a healthy whole body, he finds he must seek further for the understanding of it. And then he finds that body is consciousness and not more harmonious than his consciousness. Besides this, it is necessary to see that man has not got a body. He is the body of God. The difficulty of demonstration of divine body seems to be what to do with what seems to be a material body. We cannot, of course, claim that God knows a limited, finite sense of body. And yet there is the record Jesus left us. After the crucifixion, he ate, saw, talked, and walked with his disciples, the same body that seemed to have been crucified on Calvary. If that was the same body, the crucifixion would have destroyed it, but there it was, functioning as before. What are we to understand about this? It shows conclusively that body is entirely mental and the more divinely mental we understand ourselves to be, the more harmonious and indestructible is the body. It proves that at no time do we lose anything, but gain the true sense of that which we already are by knowing better the divinity of our own being. What we call our body is not confined to just what seems to identify us, but is actually comprised of everything of which we are conscious. This is the infinite body of God. The world and all that constitutes the world is the body. Hence the need to see things as they are the ideas of God. This is generic man, not something outside ourselves, but the capacity within each one of us to understand the universality of being. When we speak of generic man, we do not mean many men. 
for oneness of being applies to generic man as well as individual man. The more we understand generic man, that is, the more we understand the universality of being, the more generic man appears. God being one, his idea is one. That is, there is divine man, one body, one flower, etc. Here, I think the word universality is helpful. It means to turn into one. This is all things seen as expressing one. This keeps your understanding of generic man from seeming plural. When we look out from mind, we do not see many men. We see the one idea man, infinitely expressed, individually expressed. Oneness is the basis of generic man, the same as it is of individual man. Mrs. Eddy says, the allness of deity is his oneness. Generically, man is one, and specifically, man means all men. Science and Health 267. Here is another statement from our textbook on page 502, in which Mrs. Eddy interprets Genesis 1. This word beginning is employed to signify the only, that is, the eternal unity of God and man, including the universe. God expressed is man, and man is therefore the body of God. Man has not got a body, he is body. Our understanding of the oneness of being will never allow us to think of ourselves just as body animated by God afar off. But this oneness of being teaches us that we are the expressions both of principle and idea, or God and man. Understanding that God is our mind begins to bring into view the divine body because it takes God or mind to know body. Man could not reveal it. Intelligence is not a quality of man. It is a quality of divine mind. As Mrs. Eddy says in Science and Health on page 469, it is the primal and eternal quality of infinite mind, of the triune principle, life, truth, and love, named God. In the demonstration of divine body is the exemption from all evil, because it takes divine mind to accomplish it. And thus we have the perfect cause and perfect effect. A student called upon a great philosopher of olden times to question him concerning what he was. 
he took the young man to the window and told him to look out, saying, That is you. Thus we begin to exchange the limited sense of body for the unlimited one of infinity and find, as Mrs. Eddy says in Science and Health on page 476, mortality is finally swallowed up in immortality. This understanding of body perfects the functions of the body both in substance and capacity. Mrs. Eddy says in Science and Health on page 258, God expresses in man the infinite idea forever developing itself, broadening and rising higher and higher from a boundless basis. But God does the expressing, not man, because it is in this way only that the correct body, idea of body, is gained. It must be this way, for this is the way of immortality. The words expression, manifestation, and reflection are words meaning body and are synonymous because they bring out the ideas of God. Reflection is one word often misunderstood. Mrs. Eddy says in Science and Health, few persons comprehend what Christian science means by the word reflection. Page 301. A good expression of this word is to say, the reflection of God is the consciousness that God is all. It is the consciousness that God is my mind, the consciousness that I and my Father are one. This takes away the sense of two-ness which often accompanies the effort to understand reflection. And it is the reason we do not comprehend what the word means. We cannot gain a correct sense of reflection from a dual standpoint. It absolutely requires an understanding of the oneness of being to comprehend what is meant by reflection. Because God is the mind of man, reflection is what that mind knows about his idea, man and the universe. Putting that into practice means to be it individually. We look out from mind and know and see that mind, God, does the reflecting, not man. Reflecting in this way means the activity of mind, the I reflecting upon man. Thought dwells upon or expresses an idea. This is why the activity of thought is God even though we see him as man. What about the functions of our body called eyes, ears, etc.? In the glossary we learn that ears are spiritual understanding, eyes spiritual discernment. In Psalm 94 verse 9 we read, He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? 
from these statements we know that God is the hearer and infinite mind and its infinite manifestation. Therefore, the only functions there are are the manifestations of mind. Then when something seems to be wrong with eyesight, for instance, we do not have to get rid of anything, only gain a spiritual understanding of eyesight and lose a material concept of that which is originally and eternally the function of mind. We say that the true body appears only as we understand mind or God as its source. Reasoning thus, we gain a correct understanding of what reflection is, the consciousness that God does the reflecting. A statement in Science and Health verifies this on page 223. Sooner or later we shall learn that the fetters of man's finite capacity are forged by the illusion that he lives in body instead of in soul, in matter instead of in spirit. What a great and inspiring work is ours. No matter what it is or where we are, there is always the opportunity and necessity of revealing the form divinely fair, as one of our hymns says. What of your universe? What constitutes your home, your church, your business? Are these things outside your consciousness, outside your individual environment of good? These two are to be understood and demonstrated as body, as they are part of body or consciousness. We do not have to put up with just any kind of church, any kind of home, or any kind of business, thinking they are something outside ourselves over which we have no control, for that is not scientific. We have only to turn back the record left us by Jesus to see that while he seemingly lived in a hard and troubled age, still his universe expressed God. Because his mind was God, he knew wherever he went, the forms of perfection appeared. He knew the science of existence, that he and the Father were one. The record Mrs. Eddy left us is like that too, but her record goes farther. Both Jesus and Mrs. Eddy recorded for us the embodiment of their own understanding of their oneness with God, Jesus in the healing of sin, disease, and death. Mrs. Eddy, also healing the body, gave us the form of the Christian movement. What are we bringing out individually of the form divinely fair? What of our body, universe, church, home, business, 
each one is responsible for the appearing of his own existence, the oneness of principle and idea. This is, as we have been taught, the underlying reality of our own and each one's existence. Principle and idea is one, and his reflection is man and the universe. Man and the universe, then, is the embodiment of principle and idea. This is comparable to saying that mind and thought comprise the whole of being, expressed as man and the universe. All this relates to body, in fact is body, the appearing of the embodiment of God's idea, based on the knowing that God is your mind. Science teaches us that there is only one mind, spirit, soul, principle, life, truth, love, or God. And therefore this supreme being interpreted by these seven synonyms is the being of man. We may see that God being the mind of man, this mind forms its own likeness or body, its own expression. Give up your material belief of mind in matter and have but one mind even God, for this mind forms its own likeness, science and health, to one six. I suppose that most of us have read this statement and accepted it as seeming to go on outside ourselves. But the time comes when every individual must experience this as his own divine being. The woman of the apocalypse, clothed with spirit, is depicted as giving birth to a child, which indicates that this oneness of God understood brings out its own embodiment. This symbolism must be understood, else it becomes just a story in the Bible. Just as Jesus iterated and reiterated his oneness with the Father, thus giving him the power to go out and do his great healing work, so the right interpretation of woman clothed with the Spirit has given us the same power. To make it simpler, we are told to know that as we accept God as our mind, with it comes the power of mind to produce its own ideas in accordance with its own understanding of goodness and immortality. More and more must the form divinely fair appear. All Mrs. Eddy's books have on the cover the cross crown, and circle. We know she did all these things with deep thought. This circle represents the city four square, the sacred city described in Revelation 
as one that lieth for square. In this way, the square is as perfect as the circle, the perfect individual. Our book clears this point by showing us that the city four square is a symbol of divine consciousness and is expressed by this seal on our books. The demonstration of this divine consciousness casts out demons and brings out the divine body or embodiment of God and is the new heaven and earth of which John speaks. Working with this understanding in individual experience as each individual understands his consciousness to be God, he casts out demons, which is the cross, and by this understanding does the divine embodiment of God's idea appear in new and radiant form, divinely spiritual. And this is the crown. Every minute of every day, it is possible to see the embodiment of God appearing. On page 51 of Science and Health, Mrs. Eddy says, Jesus could have withdrawn himself from his enemies. He had power to lay down a human sense of life. That is, he allowed men to attempt the destruction of the mortal body which is equivalent to saying it could not be destroyed. He proved that they could not destroy his body. He showed it to them after his crucifixion on Calvary, functioning as before. The only body there is expresses the only soul there is. Therefore, it must be as indestructible as God is as perfect and completely good. Mrs. Eddy says in Science and Health, page 400, eradicate the image of disease from the perturbed thought before it has taken tangible shape in conscious thought, alias the body, and you prevent the development of disease. Conscious thought being the body, the body is that of which we are conscious. In order to have a healthy, harmonious body, we must understand our infinite body in a scientific way. To be conscious of war as actual is unhealthy. To believe we have enemies is unhealthy. Injustice is unhealthy and is not to be tolerated because such things mean an unhealthy body. We are not dealing with persons, places, or things, and it is necessary to rid ourselves of this belief. While the atonement has to do with man's relation to God, yet we can see by the division of the word Mrs. Eddy meant us to understand this relationship of God and man to be not two, but one meant. 
This is the underlying teaching of Christian science and is shown by the following facts. The first chapter of science and health is prayer. Prayer is the subject that appeals to all persons. Mrs. Eddy showed wisdom in introducing her science through this inexhaustible avenue. The second chapter is Atonement and Eucharist. And in the first six lines she gives us a statement of science. Atonement is the exemplification of man's unity with God, whereby man reflects divine truth, life, and love. Jesus of Nazareth taught and demonstrated man's oneness with the Father, and for this we owe him endless homage. His mission was both individual and collective. The atonement is an exact science. Therefore, to be understood, it must be demonstrated, and that means individually. It becomes clearer and clearer to every student that he must progressively gain a better understanding of what atonement is and individually prove it. The atonement teaches us the science of our oneness with God. And because it is science, we must demonstrate it in our daily lives by overcoming sin, sickness, and death. As over all suggestions which would claim an existence apart from God, Jesus did not say, my Father and I are two, but one. In speaking of this oneness with God, Jesus could not have meant two-ness. Otherwise, he would have said, I and my Father are two. He was impressing thought with the fact that there was only one being, not two. God being God-being and man-being. God manifested is what man means, his oneness with God. This is verified in Science and Health, page 114. In science, mind is one, including noumenon and phenomena, God and his thoughts. God is within and without all things. Mrs. Eddy used to put the following in the front of science and health. I, 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 itself, I, the inside and outside, the what and the why, the when and the where, the low and the high, all. I, 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 itself, I. The I itself expresses the idea of oneness. We know that I, or ego, is God, as Mrs. Eddy says in Science and Health, on page 588. 
I or ego, divine principle, spirit, soul, incorporeal, unerring, immortal, and eternal mind. There is but one I or us, but one divine principle or mind, governing all existence, man and woman, unchanged forever in their individual characters, even as numbers which never blend with each other, though they are governed by one principle. That is the I or ego we are. This definition then demands that we see the individual mentality as God rather than man. We are not human beings endeavoring to demonstrate God. Actually, that is an impossibility. God alone can know himself, understand himself, teach himself. Why? Because God is all. We are endeavoring to understand this science not for aggrandizement, but because the world's problems require it. It takes the allness of God to handle the world problems. Human beings cannot accomplish them, for there are no human beings. We are not human, but divine. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may be one in us. This is the authority that says to the proud wave, thus far and no farther. There is not, as old theology teaches us, a good God afar off and a good or sinning man trying to find him. In the beginning, we use it, Christian science, as a tool. But as we progress, we see that more is required of us. Today we are deific science, a knowing science, and we are beginning to understand existence. The only reason existence seems to be chaotic is because we do not understand it aright. The book of John is conceded to be the book of great spiritual meaning, especially the 13th to 17th chapters, which are devoted to one subject, the Last Supper. These chapters are of great importance to the students of Christian science. It is recorded by John that Jesus was teaching his disciples by example and statement the science of God and man. It impresses you with the import of one understanding idea, the oneness of God and man. He did not speak to his disciples from the standpoint of spiritual man, but from the standpoint of principle and idea, God and man.
In my Father's house are many mansions. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman, etc. The 17th chapter seems to be the climax of his teaching of the oneness of being. Vine and husbandman, fruition, father's house and mansions, oneness. He thought of himself always as one with the father, and so he spoke. The basis of being is not just principle, but principle and idea. The appeal of Jesus on the cross was not made to God alone, but to himself. In the ceremony of washing the disciples' feet, he said, If I wash them not, thou hast no part in me. He washed away the belief that they were human beings. We must do this with our friends. In answer to Philip's inquiry, Show me the Father, he replied, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. The Father expressed as me is what he meant. The oneness of being leaves nothing outside itself. The parable of the vine and the branches shows the life of the idea is principle. As spiritual man alone, we could not find God, for in the consciousness that we are just man, we would be looking for God outside ourselves. That they may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. In that verse, if we leave out in, see glossary, page 588.22, it becomes that they may be one as thou, Father, art me and I thee. My family, church, friends, business must be one in me and harmonious because I know that I am one with God and that understanding will lead the world to believe that thou hast sent me. There is only one kingdom, not three, and that one is the kingdom of God within you, and you are looking out from God, who could not see a kingdom unlike himself. Jesus gave us the Christian era, Mrs. Eddy gave us the science of Christianity or the science era. Jesus walked on the water. Peter sank. Water was subjective to Jesus, but objective to Peter. Lazarus dying was objective to his sisters, but subjective to Jesus who saw only life. Lazarus seemed to have died to the consciousness of his household. To the consciousness of Jesus, he lived and never died. That which is objective to mortal mind 
is really also subjective to mortal mind because it must appear first in mortal thought before it is manifested outside that thought. Big Nun Young. <laughs>